0: recognize this picture? This is a famous painting. It's by Rembrandt. And one of the reasoning reasons that this painting is so good is because up until this time, if you remember a lot of the paintings from the Middle Ages, they were just real, they didn't look real. But these Dutch painters and some others began to learn how to use light and shadow And a lot of these pictures look just like photographs. They're so realistic looking. And this, I forgot forgot the name of this painting, but this is a a very famous painting by the famous painter Rembrandt. And I, I suppose if this were to go up for sale, there are people like Bill Gates, for example, who would probably give just almost every penny they own to possess this painting. That's how priceless this painting is. But I want to show you another painting or a picture that's worth even more than this. And I have a copy. You can't see this too well. Can we dim these lights a little bit maybe? Um, this is a head. These are two eyes here and a little mouth. There's two hearts over this. And here's another little body, eyes and a mouth and hair. And I'm not sure what this is down here. These may be bugs. And up here it says, Adelaide, 5, 23, 15. And I've saved this picture. I've got uh, a shoebox under my bed. And when she gave me that picture, I put it in that shoebox. And I've got shoeboxes in the attic with other paintings very similar to this. From her mom and her sisters when they were four and five years old and first started learning to draw. Now, as priceless as this painting on the left is, the one on the right is much, much more special to me. And you probably got drawings from your kids or your grandkids. And the reason this one is so special to me is because she is special to me. Now, that is, artistically, that is... Pretty much worthless. I mean, if you took this to an art instructor in college, he would just, there's nothing good about it. There's nothing good he could say about this, probably. Whereas this, there's probably been books written on this paintings and others like it. But the one on the right is the one that's special. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. You know, there's lots of verses, and I've used them quite often. I've heard Mike McCorkle use them and others. There's verses like uh, Isaiah, where it says, All of our righteousness is Or as filthy rags. And we talk about how the fact on our best day, the best things that we can do and say and think is nothing to God. Heaven is my uh, uh, footstool. Earth is my throne. Where is the the cathedral you will build me? There's nothing we can do to impress God. There's another verse in Luke, I believe, that says, When you've done all that you've been commanded, say, We're unprofitable servants. We have done that which was commanded. When we come to church and we worship God and we give money, we give money to the Red Cross and Church of Christ India. And when we go visit the sick and, and the, the orphans and stuff like this, that's nothing great. We were told to do that. It's nothing great when our kid cleans up the room. I told you to clean up your room. Now, if they bring the mom flowers, that's special. When you tell them to clean up... We've just done what was commanded. And so we kind of, or at least I, and I figure a lot of you, probably come away thinking that uh, in God's eyes, eyes, we're just pretty worthless. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So I want to talk this morning about some verses. And if you want to go away feeling good, highlight these verses in your Bible or make a list so you can refer back to them. The first verse I want to look at is in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. You just put a bookmark there in Romans chapter 5. Paul writes, When we were still without strength in due time or at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the Bible states very clearly that God loves us just like I love Adelaide. And we're very special. We are so special that He gave His only Son and He died for us. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 talks about Jesus. It says to Him who loved us and washed us in His own blood. Now, we'll make a lot of sacrifices for people. We'll give some of our time or some of our money. But most of us are not going to give up our lives for someone else. Maybe we may eventually do that, but we're probably not. This talks about Jesus who loved us and washed us in his own blood. There used to be a family that went to church in Gunner. They were from Oklahoma. I think they go to church in Oklahoma now. They had I can't remember how many kids they had. They had quite a few kids. And the mom got pregnant with another kid. But then she found out that she had cancer. Now, most cancer treatments don't involve getting rid of the cancer. They involve killing just almost everything in your body, hoping it will kill the cancer before it kills you. And so that's what she's going to have to go through. But she was pregnant. And you know how um, uh, sensitive unborn babies are to medicines and stuff like this. And you know what she did? She chose not to get cancer treatment. Because she loved that baby that she had not met yet. And three days after the baby was born, she died. The Bible says in Romans, while we were without strength, while we were still sinners. Now it's one thing to do something nice for somebody that's your friend, that you know, they've done nice things for you, you've known them for years. One guy said, there's nothing I wouldn't do for Mike McCorkle. And there's nothing that Mike McCorkle wouldn't do for me. And that's why for years we've been going around doing nothing for each other. <laughs> now I would, do, I would do just about anything for Mike. I've known him since he was 16. But while we were without strength, while we were still sinners, before this mom had met her baby, she gave her life. God gave His Son for us. God made sacrifices for us. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 says, He... Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. Now, there's a lot of you I like. And like I said, I've known Mike since he was 16. And I would do a, a lot for you. But I am not giving up my son for any one of you. Probably not the whole congregation. Now, I would die for you. But I'm not giving up a one of my children for you. God made that sacrifice. In the Old Testament, we read where people were always making sacrifices, sin sacrifices and bulls and goats and rams and purification sacrifices and and all this. It's unfathomable that the God that created the, the whole universe sacrificed on our behalf. In Galatians one and verse four it says our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. So God sacrificed for us. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is when you give something up of great value for something of greater value. If you have money withdrawn from your check or make monthly contributions to a 401k or to a retirement fund of some type, what you're doing is you're giving up money that you could use right now to go out to eat, go on cruises, go on vacations, buy a bigger, nicer house, a new car, whatever, in the hopes that in the future this money will grow. And you can quit working at a reasonable age and have money to travel and buy cars and houses and stuff like this. You make a sacrifice. You give up something that's of great value for something of greater value. Now, I just said I would never give up my son for any of you. What does it say about your value if God did give up his son? If he gave up something of great value for something of greater value. How much does God value us? We are very, very special to Him. Jesus said in John uh, John chapter 15 and verse 14, No longer do I call you My servants. In Matthew 12 and verse 50, He says, Whoever does the will of My Father is My brother. The Christ that came down from heaven and was crucified and resurrected, resurrected, the One that did all those miracles... He's calling me His brother. He doesn't call me a servant. I'm His brother. How special do you have to be for someone like that to call you their brother? Again, uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold. To behold means to notice. Look at this. Stop and think for a second. Pay attention to this. Watch. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Amazing. The one who in six days could just speak things into existence. And he's adopted us and he calls us his children. How valuable are you if God calls you his child? What I look out in the audience now. And this is just about as average a crowd as you could find. There's no trailer trash here. There's no rich people here. We're just pretty average. There's nothing. I don't see any Robert Redfords or Miss Americas or Hollywood stars or anyone. From, just as average a group as you could get. I remember we had a foreign exchange student come from uh, France, and she stayed with us three months. And one of the very first things, maybe the next day after she got off the plane, we went down to where Dick and Margaret Moore lived and we went to a bluegrass festival. And you talk about rednecks and traitor trash, <laughs> these women, big hair and everything. This was quite a group, you know. And Pauline, all she had seen about the United States was, uh, you know, movie stars and television and stuff like that. And she was just looking around. <laughs> and I said, told her, I said, this is pretty much a typical American, typical America right here. What does God see when He looks at us? Well, Peter says that when God looks at us, He sees a chosen generation. Remember in the Old Testament, the Jews were God's special people and He pretty much ignored everyone else. He even sent the Jews in to destroy other nations because the Jews were the chosen nation. But now God says, that you're the chosen nation. When God looks at us, He doesn't see average people. He sees a royal priesthood. Can you imagine standing in the courts of a king being someone important? He sees a holy nation he sees His own special people. We are of great, great value to God. And we should never forget that. And then because we are of great value, He cares about us. Remember the song that we've sang since we were little kids? It says, Oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. God cares about us. you remember when... Moses went up on the, the mountain and he was up there talking to God and God gave him the Ten Commandments and other laws. And Moses came down and the people, even though they'd seen all the miracles of God and passed through the Red Sea, they'd seen the Ten Plagues in Egypt and the Passover, they thought that Moses was dead and they built a golden calf. And instead of worshiping God, they were worshiping this golden calf. And Moses went down and saw it. He was furious. He threw down those stone, or stone tablets with the Ten Commandments and they broke. He was furious. And God told Moses, get out of my way. I'm going to destroy this people. Millions of people. He's just going to wipe them out. And Moses prayed to God and said, don't destroy this people. All the other nations will look at that and see that you brought them out and now you destroyed it. And it's going to make everyone look bad. You know what God did? God listened to Moses. Can you? What was Moses going to tell God that God didn't already know? But God listened to Moses because God cared about Moses and what he had to say. Have you seen that on Facebook or on the internet? It says, "I don't care how tough you are. When a two-year-old hands you a telephone, you say hello <laughs> because you care." What happens when a a little kid comes to us? We we get down on our knees so we can talk to them eye to eye so they won't be intimidated by us. Because we care. The two-year-old's not going to tell us anything, but we love them and we care about them. And God cares about us. And so when we pray to God, God listens. He knows what we need. He knows what we're thinking. There's nothing we can tell God. But He cares. Just like we care about a little kid. Jeremiah chapter 29, in verse 11. Of course, this is in the Old Testament, but God talked about the Jews. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God cares about us. He wants to know what we think. In Romans chapter 8, Uh, In verses 38 and verse 39, Paul says, or beginning in verse 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, She'll be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants us to feel, like the song says, safe and secure from all alarm. And that's what Paul talks about when he wrote the uh, Philippians. He talks about the peace that passes all understanding. To know that we're, it's nice to be special to anyone. I appreciate that Angie loves me with all her heart. And she appreciates that I love her. It is nice to belong to someone and to feel safe. It is extra nice to feel special to the God that created the universe. And that's the way God wants us to feel. He wants us to feel safe. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul uh, quotes Jesus where Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we can have that peace that, uh, that passes understanding. Therefore, since God loves us, since we are of great value for us, and since He cares for us, He blesses us. When Paul wrote Timothy in the first letter in chapter 6, Paul talked about God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I think I may have mentioned here a while back, Jay Henderson and I were talking about this. And I said, uh, Jay said he thought it meant um, maybe spiritual blessings. I can't remember. And I said, well, I think it... means like rainbows and flowers and mountains and trees. And then we looked at each other and said, maybe He means all that. Well, that's what it says. God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18 says, The Lord will wait that He may be gracious to you. You know, grace is something that we don't deserve. So someone's going to be gracious to us, they're going to be kind to us, and possibly give us things that... We really don't deserve, and that's what God wants to do: is for us. That the Lord will wait that He may be gracious to you. In Romans chapter eight, in verse thirty-two, it says, "Talking about God, it says He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us. How shall He not also? How shall He not with Him also?" Freely give us all things the Lord wants to do good do you like to do you like to buy a little kid candy and soda pops and take them to the circus? Of course you do you just got so much love that you just want to give it to them and then it, I'd say sometimes about when my kids or grandkids are having a good time I'm having more fun than they are just watching them have fun. God likes to do good things for us He blesses us. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We would use the, the phrase, uh, in my wildest imagination, if we start to think about everything that we think God could or would do for us, he's able to do way, way more than that. God likes to do things for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You remember in the temple, they had it was divided into the holy place and the most holy place. And there was a veil. It would be kind of like, this is the holy place and this is the most holy place. And there was a veil there. And once a year, the high priest went in to offer sacrifices for the people's sins. And inside was an ark. An ark just means a box. And And I think there were several things in this box, but the top of the box was called the mercy seat. And God's presence came and sat down on this mercy seat. And symbolically, that's where God lived, inside this temple. But the verse I just read says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What do you mean it was given to us? Well, you remember also in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Your body... Is the temple of the Holy Ghost. No longer does God live on the the mercy seat, but through the Holy Spirit, He lives inside us. God cares about us. He wants to do things for us and bless us. And so that's why Paul said in uh, he well, let's turn and read Hebrews chapter four. Um, let's see. Verse sixteen verse fourteen. Talking about Jesus, Paul says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, through the uh, through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then Paul says, Let us seeing that, that God has done these things for us and Christ has done these things for us, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we pray to God, we don't have to to be ashamed and like a whimpering little puppy and scared and sheepish. And say, oh, I know I don't deserve these things and I'm worthless and I'm no good. Paul says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain help. Why? Why? How can Paul say that? Because God loves us. He cares for us. He sacrificed for us. He wants to bless us. What do we do when a kid, little, or a child comes up to us and wants something? Do we say, Go away, go away, don't bother me? We may say, Now say please, and they say please, and you give it to them. I was talking about one of my grandkids to Angie's nephew, uh, Aaron, and I said, I'd give her just about anything that she asked for. And and, uh, Aaron says, says, uh, he makes a joke, he says, Yes, here, here's some matches to go with the gasoline. (laughs) Sometimes we'll give them too much because we love them so much. That's how much God loves us. So he loves us, he sacrificed for us, we're great value, and he wants to bless us. And so in closing, I want to read Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. I've got four verses. Isaiah says, You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. God will keep us in perfect peace. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God was talking about us. Romans 8 verse 37 that we already read. Paul says we are more than conquerors. We are winners. We are more than that. And then one of my favorites is found in Joshua chapter 1. Just before the people were going to go in and uh, and take over the land. And even though this is an Old Testament. All these other verses say together what was told Joshua. Or what Joshua said here. Or I guess this may be. Yeah, this is Joshua talking, I think. Joshua 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to, do all that is, to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I hope you'll wrote these verses down and look at them and think about them and feel better about yourself and your neighbors and just life in general. And don't forget all that God has done for us. If you'd like to be the prayers of the church, we ask you to take care of this time while we stand